Hey everyone, I wanted to clarify that this episode was recorded a few months ago, so I do refer to Daniel Reyes as a medical student. However, now he is an MD along with the rest of the class of 2021. So I do want to take this opportunity to say congratulations to all of the newly minted MDs and DOs who will be entering into the healthcare workforce this upcoming July. You guys are amazing and we are excited to have you. All right, let's get to the episode. You're invited to the healthcare cookout. Hey everyone, welcome back to Healthcare Cookout. I'm your host, Stephanie. Here on Healthcare Cookout, we explore what it means to be a minority healthcare professional and hear from people in different professions about what they do and how they got there. This week, I have the pleasure of learning from Daniel Reyes, fourth year medical student and my classmate. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dan. It's great to be here, Stephanie. Thank you. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what it means to be a medical student. Well, um, a lot of work, um, a lot of life changes for me anyway, um, but also just a, a wide open world waiting to be discovered, um, not just for my own personal knowledge and enrichment, but also of uh, people to build these new relationships with. Um, I'm talking about my classmates, um, faculty as well. And then of course, uh, working with the people that need our services, uh, our patients, and um, you know, just the variety of patients that you can encounter um, is 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 huge, and so it really makes the the four years of intense hard work uh, very much worth it. Awesome. Uh, so tell, like, how did you get into medical school? Tell us about that journey for you. That's a great question, and and has a very complex answer. So uh, bear with me as well as your listeners. <laughs> um, so uh, I let's see. When I was a kid, I had really bad asthma. Um, I was uh, I was in the hospital not often, but I was in the hospital maybe once a year, and um, so I was always around pediatricians and and had to have my condition managed in a way that was uh, probably more sort of intense than the average uh, child with asthma. And, um, you know, they always made me feel great. Uh, you know, they, they put me at ease and I wanted to do that for other people. So um, when I got to college, I thought that I, I studied biology like I thought I should. And uh, um, I also had the, 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 the good privilege to teach a class when I was in college. I taught a class on medical ethics, which was so much fun. Awesome. And it really brought me to the world of teaching. And so um, I decided to teach after college. And I was, uh, I, I said, I, I, this would be a little detour on my, my journey to be a doctor. Um, turns out that detour was, uh, instead of a couple of years, it was about 10. And so, um, you know, I, I, I made the decision um, to, to start to pursue medicine a few years before I actually put myself on the journey um, because I needed to uh, retake the, the prerequisite courses. Okay. Um, also, I also needed to do that before I did, took the MCAT just to kind of refresh my, my, my knowledge. So I was taking classes. I was working a full day of teaching and then I would take classes at night at the City College wow. of San Francisco um, because it the, the just so happened that the, the schedule of classes there worked up with, uh, with mine and I was living in San Francisco. So, um, so I did that. Um, and then I took a sabbatical year from my teaching job. We were allowed to do that. And so I took a, I took a full year off, um, came to New Jersey because I wanted something new. I'd only ever lived in California. I grew up in LA and then I went to college in the Bay Area and decided to stay for work. So um, came to New Jersey and because uh, my parents uh, used to live here when they worked here, but they retired and have gone back to California, but they kept their house here in Jersey. So it was a free place to live. Awesome. Um, took some classes here, studied for the MCAT and then did my applications. I taught for one more year um, and then I applied. Robert Wood Johnson Medical School was my number one choice and uh, that's where I went. So, um, so yeah, that's how I ended up here uh, after a decade of teaching. That is very awesome. So like you've always known that medical school was the end goal. Yeah, that's that's kind of um, since I was able to start thinking about what my career might be when I was an adult. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know when kids actually you know make that decision. Maybe age like six or seven. I don't really know. Um, but I I knew that I wanted to be like the pediatricians that treated me and made me feel good um, when I was a kid. So yeah, I the earliest that I was able to do that. That's that's kind of what I knew I wanted to do. Awesome. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about how you've been able to find your passions within medical school. Like you said, it's a very tiring, extensive four years of studying. And I also personally know. Um, So let's talk about the things that 
like kept you like passionate about wanting to become a doctor? So the nice thing about our school is that there are so many different opportunities to get involved in so many different things. Um, so I have uh, a couple passions in life that are that, uh, that, that that can be considered to be independent of medicine, but of course you can find them within um, the medical school uh, environment. So um, so one of them is is staying active. So I, I grew up swimming and playing water polo. Uh, I, I did both in uh, high school and college, and then I continued to do both uh, after college, and have continued to do both in medical school. Um, and that's kind of one of the advantages of being at a big university because um, we have access to the facilities. Right. Uh, so I've been able to, act, to to do that while I've been in med school. And that has kind of given me the physical space that I need. Um, that is like to be, to remain active, even though I have to study so much. Um, that's kind of allowed me to, to increase the amount of time that I would spend uh, studying, sitting at a desk. <laughs> um, and so that's one thing. That's probably the main thing that has allowed me to stay sane. And then um, my other sort of passion, of course, is education. So I, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a trained, credentialed, certified teacher. Um, and so the best way I thought I could uh, continue my skill or, or continue to contribute um, using my skill set would be to work on curriculum. So uh, I ran for the position of uh, curriculum committee representative for our class. Uh, and was elected all four years and uh, have loved doing that, have loved working with professors uh, and fa other faculty, um, as well as my, my fellow classmates to develop curriculum and, and serve as a representative, as a liaison from my class to the administration that has been probably the most fulfilling. Um, and then uh, I also really have always uh, wanted to, at least wanted to and, and aim to, uh, serve the neediest among us. Um, I have taught in um, low resource areas and I've taught in very high resource areas. So that's why I say I've, I've at least always aimed to uh, right. serve the neediest, even if I haven't always directly worked with them. Um, but uh, to do that uh, in the medical school environment, I have uh, worked with the Promise Clinic, which is our student run free clinic for uh, exclusively uninsured patients. And um, I'm a fluent Spanish speaker, so I've uh, found meaningful work um, interpreting for our monolingual Spanish speaking patients, as well as uh, being a student doctor. And, and this year, especially as a fourth year, um, being the team lead and being able to teach uh, the people, the, the, the classes underneath us, the third, second and first years. So that has been um, also very fulfilling. So um, I guess the short answer to your question would be, <laughs> I have found the the, 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 the ways that I could um, best contribute using my skill set in medical school, as well as the recreational time that I need to stay sane to do it all. Now, that's uh, wonderful. And I completely agree that I think our school, I hope, isn't unique in that, that we do have so many opportunities to kind of be involved and do other things, as well as like studying and having the resources to do both. And I think a lot of people think, oh, medical school, you literally won't have any time for anything else but studying, studying, studying. And sometimes it does feel like that. But I think once you kind of learn to prioritize, like I can still make time to do all of my extracurriculars. I can still make time to be part of um, organizations and groups that help to do things that I love and I'm passionate about. And it's also been a pleasure working with you for four years on the steering committee for Promise Clinic. I'm gonna miss you next year. Uh -huh. I'm miss you as well. <laughs> Um, so can you talk about like what ways we interact with healthcare professionals? I feel like as medical students, sometimes we kind of get lost in the sauce in the hospital. And so how do we interact with other healthcare professionals, like either in the hospital or also outside doing research and other things like that? Oh, um, that's a great question. I, I would say, you know, so certainly being a medical student, there are certain defined, uh, roles that we have as well as perhaps even more concretely defined um, barriers to what we can and cannot do. Um, and I would say that that probably dominates most of the conversations that I have, especially with you know, our residents and attendings. Um, and then I think beyond that, it's a lot of learning, right? So um, particularly, for example, I, just to take, to take one episode that I would say is, is, is represents the most vulnerable that a medical student is. It's like, you know, the first day in the OR when you're on your surgery rotation or on your OBGYN rotation, um, 
and you're in the OR and you're kind of at the mercy of the people who actually know what they're doing. Um, And you're in this very high stress uh, environment because the OR is just that way um, due to its uh, necessity to remain sterile. So um, you need to figure out who is who and what, you know, who, who can give you what you need, um, what you even need to begin with. Um, and you have a resident, uh, who has other responsibilities, um, besides you (laughs) and, um, you know, you, then you have a patient who comes into the room and then you have the attending who has five other cases that day and doesn't have time for you either. Um, and so a lot of it is, is, is learning and, um, you know, you, you, you brought up a good point in our previous question about how important it is to to take advantage of these other opportunities in medical school to just do other things besides study. And I and I really think that the the value of that um, comes in the question that we're talking about now, which is how do you communicate with other people in the healthcare field? Um, you know, ultimately we're all people, we're all humans, and we all have missions. And so we need to figure out how to work with each other to get it done. Um, and I think that uh, the more experiences that you have in life, working with other people that you don't know in high stress, high stress situations, um, it's really easier that it is to deal with it when it's actually you um, on that first day in the OR with uh, no clue what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that that's um, probably the, the, the most stressful part of med school would be figuring that out. Um, but yeah, and, and I, so yeah, so that's, that's, I guess, part of my answer. Um, the other part of my answer, and perhaps maybe the most germane to the topic at hand, at least with this podcast, is um, how to figure out how to deal with um, your, your own identities and how they fit into the world that you're currently placed in. And um, I would say that that, for me personally, as a 35-year-old, a uh, person of color, a member of the LGBTQ community who is very firmly rooted in both of those identities, I would say that that's still a work in progress for me. And um, I guess specifically what I'm referring to are microaggressions and how to deal with them right. as a med student. And I, I would say that that's something that I'm, that I, I'm still not an expert on, um, but probably what I'm still, what, what I would like to see change and certainly what I'm gonna work for um, in the next step, which of course is residency. Yeah, no, and I totally agree with your sentiment about like working towards changing. I think a lot of people kind of forget that the medical culture or healthcare in general wasn't built for people of color. We were never meant to be in these positions. Like they didn't expect women even to be in these positions. And so it's it's changing, but it's definitely a very slow change. I think when we came in, actually, our class was like one of the first classes that had more females than it did males. And this is in like years of like history. And yeah, I think as we continue to increase the number of individuals and people of color in these spaces, we have to change the way that these spaces were built because it's it's no longer okay to keep the people in power comfortable because that is not benefiting anyone really, not even the patients, like when we really kind of break it down. And so I think that in it's going to definitely take time. And I think it takes acknowledging that there's a problem first and foremost, and now work, working towards creating systems that will change the way that it's been running for years and generations. Um, yeah. And I think kind of as, as a society, especially within this year, we are now moving towards being anti-racist and, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of these big movements are happening. And I think sometimes some communities are just like, oh no, we we don't need to do any of that because we're already, you know, we're treating black patients. So like, how can we possibly be racist, right? Like we, we take care of our Latinx community. So like, there's no way, you know, and yet you still hear patients or yeah, patients getting told, why don't you speak English? That was actually on one of my rotations. And the nurse and the doctor actually both tried to justify why that they were, why they were saying this to the patient. And I just like, felt it and I think being a medical student sometimes is like you said just like such a mixed bag um and one of those feelings is oftentimes I think powerlessness because we don't hold much power in the hierarchy of medicine yep and so especially as a person of color I feel even like sometimes lower on the board because I am not a white male who can you know assert myself and not worry about the repercussions that can come from that and so I think that you've made some definitely excellent points and I think 
what, what is your advice for people who are scared of things like that? Like, I don't want to go into the medical field because I know that it wasn't built for me, or I know that I'm going to experience microaggressions and that that's just not something that I want to deal with. Like, what would you say to them? That's a great question. Um, so I, I will say that it's, it's hard to be the agent of change. So, um, you know, this is, this is a, this is a burden that, that people of color are consistently asked to shoulder, which is, um, you know, if you're in a group of, of, of non-people of color and you're the only one of color and uh, that you get asked, hey, can you explain this for me? Or why do people like you think this? Um, and that's, that's a really difficult thing to deal with day in and day out. So um, I don't think I have a, a panacea um, recommendation for someone, a person of color who's considering going into medicine about how to, to kind of dodge the consistent microaggressions, um, it's going to be hard. What I will say is that part of um, your, part of coping with that for me um, has been falling back on what I know to be true. So I know that um, I am a good teacher. I know that I am a good swimmer and water polo player and cyclist. And I know that I'm a really good friend. And I know that I can contribute in uh, these several ways. So, um, and, and whatever this person who doesn't know me uh, thinks or makes me feel, uh, I know these things to be true. Now, that could be a marker of the fact that I've, it's been a few years since I've been in college. Um, and I, and I certainly wouldn't suggest that that is that that sort of confidence is available to everybody. Um, which is why I caution that it is difficult to, to carry yourself that way. Um, however, I, on several occasions have called out residents and attendings for acting a certain way. And I'll just say that the, the probably the most predominant one for me as a Latino male who speaks, who's a fluent uh, Spanish speaker mm -hmm. would be attendings and residents who know a few words in Spanish, um, making it seem as though that they are able to speak the language. And so um, instead of calling an interpreter or using me on their team, um, kind of, uh, in a haphazard manner, uh, <laughs> carrying out the interview uh, or physical exam um, using the few words of Spanish that they know. And, um, you know, for me personally, the way that, that makes me feel, you know, this is, uh, I, I am of Mexican descent. So um, this is why I know Spanish because my, my family comes from Mexico. And um, this is my culture. And, and you are reducing it to, you know, a few words that you've learned uh, over the years um, without having taken the time to actually learn the language. Um, I don't know what, what your background is, uh, doctor, but um, I would never uh, assume that I could learn, you know, 10 words from your ancestral language and assume that I know enough to speak to you in that language. Um, you know, I wouldn't do that, but here's this person doing it to, to this patient. And on top of that, it's, it's, it's health. It's not even like, Oh, I'm, I want to know what you want for dinner. It's, it's, you know, here, here's your heart condition or here is uh, you know, here are the results of your, of your liver function test or whatever. And, um, and so it's even, it's even further sort of uh, um, unbelievable to me to, to witness in the moment. So um it's taken, it's taken a lot of, uh, of, of introspection and of um, deciding what is and what is not important for me to learn how to deal with that. Um, but when I do call it out, um, I feel protected because our school has a policy that if we are mistreated in any way, we can raise that issue um, with the clerkship director or with administration. And so um, I, I have always felt that that's that the, the 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 wind is at my backside, so to speak. Um, and so I know that I'm protected. And 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 whether or not I'm I'm I have the the confidence um, or not, that would be true. So I, I think um, I would say to someone who's who's coming in to medical school as a person of color or as you know any other minority, that yes, it's going to be hard. Um, but I think that. Um, the, the, the world of healthcare needs you. Um, 
And so I hope that you'll take that as a, as a, enough of a motivation to, to see yourself through it. Um, there's the, also a lot of support out there. Oh my gosh. The, the groups that we have at our school, you know, with MMA <laughs> and LMSA, yes. you know, we, you know the, we have teamed up together. And so I think that was probably the first time I ever met you was that, yeah. was that an L, a joint LMSA and SNMA event. And, um, you know, let's, I don't know how that impacted you, but before I, you know, when, when I found that I got into Robert Wood, but before I actually started, um, I went to a couple of those events and it was amazing. Yes. All these people and uh, just celebrating uh, who we were um, mm-hmm. because of how we were born, like what family we were born into or what language we speak, um, you know, what the color of our skin is. And, and that's just something that, uh, you know, I, I'd had it before. You know, I grew up in California. It's not like we're, um, it's not like we haven't had conversations about race before. It's just now I'm seeing it and we're, we're like, we're celebrating it and we're living it. And, and that, that was awesome. And so um, I would say that the support within the school is also great. And then I think the last thing I would say um, for people thinking about a career in healthcare, um, please remember at the end of the day, um, vis-a-vis your minority identity and seeing yourself through the process of getting to whether it's becoming a physician, a PA, a nurse, an MP, a respiratory technician, whatever it is. Um, representation is so important. I cannot tell you the number of times where I have walked into a, a patient room or, you know, had some sort of patient encounter and they, they see the white coat, they see the, you know, I, I, I am a male, so I'm wearing my, my shirt and my tie or some <laughs> other, you know, and, and, you know, it's this, it's this person who traditionally that patient associates with English only right. and some sort of judgmental attitude, um, which is unfortunate. And I wouldn't say that every healthcare professional is trying to do that, um, but uh, that's how it comes off. And, and when I open my mouth and speak Spanish and, or the person sees my, I wear uh, the flag of Mexico on my lapel, um, and I also have a caduceus, which has the rainbow flag on it. So when patients see that, it's like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. And particularly when I open my mouth and speak Spanish to them, they're just so shocked. Um, and that's just, that's, that's me. I mean, imagine, um, you know, the, 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 the vast number of other people of color and minorities who could be served by seeing a, a, a healthcare professional who looks like them, who sounds like them, who acts like them, who talks like them, who worships like them. Yeah. Um, but that's, that is huge. So, so yeah, representation matters and, and, and you are needed. I a hundred percent agree. I second everything that you said. And I think your last point, especially about how important representation is like the number of times I've walked into a room with a patient who looks like me and like, you can almost see like the weight lifted off their shoulder because they know that like, I will give them the attention that they deserve that even as a medical student. And I've number of times like gone back to a patient room, even if my residents like, Oh no, like you don't need to check on a patient. I'll go back, double check on them, make sure they're okay. And honestly, one of my favorite relationships was on my surgery rotation. This patient I had actually like worked with like my very first day on surgery. And he, we ended up, ha- he ended up having a complication needed to go um, under anesthesia. And right before he went, this was like a man old enough to be my father. And he was just like, do you mind holding my hand before we start this? Right. And I just remember feeling like, you know, like almost like when I was a child and I was scared, my first instinct is to grab my mother's hand and this patient felt comfortable enough with me and we'd built, built such rapport with one another that he trusted me in this very vulnerable position. And mm-hmm. it truly like reminded me so like, especially on your surgery rotation when you're getting like, you know, thrown down time and time again with a schedule and everything, like it reminded me why I started this journey, why I was here, why this was so important to me to be a black woman in the medical and healthcare like field. And so I think that that is like just such an important point is things are going to happen. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but then you're going to get those reminders of like why you need to be there, why it's so important for someone who looks like you to be in these spaces. And it'll just like re-energize you to keep working hard, keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. That's a, that's a great story. Um, And, and certainly uh, in that moment, you provided exactly what that person needed. And, and maybe you couldn't solve their condition right then and there, um, their health condition, but certainly you met whatever, whatever it was that they needed, you know, mentally in that moment. Yeah. And I think that's huge. I have a, I have a similar story of, a of, a, 
when I was volunteering back in 2014 at San Francisco General Hospital in the, in the emergency room, we had a patient who was 15 or 16, um, and uh, he had just moved to the United States with his mother, um, I, think, I think from El Salvador. Um, we have a lot of Salvadorian immigrants in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, was skateboarding out on the street and um, was, uh, had his, I, I, I don't know exactly mechanically how it happened, but um, somehow had his foot run over by a bus. Um, and so, and the, the skateboard, he had brought in the skateboard with him. It was cracked in half and, um, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty nasty. He, his, his, he wound up being fine, but you know, yeah. obviously a lot of pain yeah. and, um, his, his mother was a domestic worker and not easily contactable. And so, you know, he was alone and yeah. he, he said over and over, like, no tengo ninguna persona. Like, I don't, I don't have anyone here mind. with me. Oh. And, um, and so, you know, the same thing, he, he just needed someone to do. So that was my job. I, I you know, I was, volu- I was a clinical volunteer. Right. I didn't have any sort of formal responsibility. It was just there. And, and I, I held his hand and it was very cold. He was very cold. Um, but he just, he, that, that was, that was what he needed in that moment. And then I, it looked like he had, he had uh, relaxed. And it, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's super important. Um, and this is kind of to your last question as well, but just um, oftentimes how, how, how we are needed for people um, whether it's to, to suture their wound or, you know, relieve pressure, uh, within their abdomen or whatever the case may be, we can do that, but we can also remember that we're both human. So our patient is human and we are human and humans thrive on social connection and social interaction. And oftentimes just holding someone's hand, you know, or even just acknowledging their presence, um, you know, or like, like I was saying before, speaking their language, um, yeah. you know, or like you, like you said, walking in the room and looking like them, you know, that's, th- those are, those are just as important uh, oftentimes as the, the clinical reason, the medicine reason why they're there. A hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you for that. And so my next question for you is if you could go back and give you your, your younger self advice, what would you tell them? Oh, uh, um, it is, it is never too late. Um, and the, the world is, uh, is wide open and waiting to be discovered. Um, and just because you train to do one thing doesn't mean you can't train yourself to do something else. Um, and, change is hard and you know it's not like it's not like medicine is a walk in the park (laughs) but um you know a lot of things are possible and it really just depends on how you want them um or how much you want them rather and uh yeah i I would say keep on and and, and i've always felt this way And, and this really comes from my parents um my parents grew up in a small town in texas and um they it was actually really my dad, uh, that said to my mom, okay, let's, let's see what else we can do, uh, in this world. And, um, they, they went to college in, in, in different towns, but then when they finished, they decided to move to the big city in Texas, they moved to Dallas. And my mom had the opportunity to take a job that would move her to California. And she was extremely, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. Uh, you know, we're going to be, we're going to leave Texas. We're going to be so far from home. And my dad was like, are you kidding me? Let's get out of here. <laughs> and so I, I bring up that story just because that's, that's kind of always defined who I am. Um, I've, I've always looked to do new things and, and wanted to try new things, new food, meet new people, learn new languages, um, travel to new continents. And um, so, yeah, that, I've always been looking to expand. And so I, I would say to my younger self, keep on doing that because the the world like i said is just it's wide open and it's just waiting to be discovered and and i i can't tell you how many times i've i've discovered something that i didn't know before and you know i, I it's it's almost it's all it's sometimes it's natural for my for me to be in a group of our of our classmates and 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 you know look and feel like the oldest person in the room um who who maybe knows a thing or two because i've been around the block yeah. and then I, I learned something that i didn't know before and it's like oh <laughs> <laughs> actually uh, that's that's just a facade <laughs> and age is just a number and uh i i'm still gonna be learning for a very long time so yeah yeah i mean we did choose to be lifelong learners and truly i'm i'm so happy with that decision to just continue to be willing to learn something new every single day whether it's from my patients from a book from 
another colleague or something. I love that too. Yeah. And, um, you, and, and speaking of colleagues, you did do that because um, maybe maybe we should mention for for your listeners that you and I were on the exact same track uh, during our third year of medical school before COVID hit. Yes. Um, so we were one of three, right? Yeah. In, it was in our me class. and Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Kevin, um, and then you, and the three of us. We had the exact same schedule. And we didn't actually realize that until like we saw each other like on the on the first day, and then we saw each other on the first day of the next clerkship, and then on the next one after that, we're like, oh, oh, something's going on here. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so, so we, we were going to walk together and then you decided to, you know, continue to learn other things. And so you put yourself on a different track, but I think that's, I think that that's, that's very important. That's very, um, honorable to keep on doing, keep on learning like that. I appreciate that. Can you imagine like, you know what, speaking of which we haven't even talked about like what. It, like, so what, what do we do in these four years? I feel like so many people like think med school is this like top secret thing that like, they're just like, oh, you just become a doctor after four years. But like, what it like, especially since you were on the curriculum, Kitty, like if you could explain those four years and like what really happens in all four of them. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it, med school is four years, our, you know, our school is four years. Some schools are actually moving to three. Sure, yeah. um, but uh, I think it's probably more useful to think about med school um, in, in, in two halves. Uh, the first half being the preclinical, um, that is before you are able to walk on the wards or at the clinics and the hospitals um, and, and learn, uh, you have to uh, go through the preclinical. Um, so you're going to be in classes, in lectures led by faculty members who um, some, some of them have clinical degrees. They have, they have uh, MDs or, or DOs, you know, uh, medical degrees, and uh, some have PhDs, um, so more academic focused. And um, you learn basic sciences, biochemistry especially, um, physiology, <laughs> anatomy, um, and uh, and then you also learn um, how all of that applies to um, uh, the human body's physiological processes. Um, and that's kind of the bulk of the first and second year. Um, and really what that is preparing you for is the first step of your license exam. So the, um, all physicians uh, who practice in the United States have to pass um, one of two uh, uh, licensure, licensure series exams. Um, so the one that, uh, you and I and our classmates, uh, have to pass is the USMLE, United States Medical Licensure Exam. Um, if you go to an osteopathic medical school, then, um, it's, the acronym is COMLEX. I want to say that it's, um, the comprehensive osteopathic medical licensure exam. Um, I'm glad you know that because I didn't for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's because my significant other is a DO. That's right. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, But uh, yeah, so um, they have to pass uh, the Comlex. Um, A lot of them also do USMLE because it gives them uh, more flexibility when it comes to applying to residency programs, um, which is a whole other topic uh, that I'm sure you could cover. Oh, yeah. (laughs) but yeah, anyway, so um, the reason I bring up the licensure exams uh, not, is not to stress your listeners out, <laughs> although they might take away from that. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to your listeners. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because um, medical school is kind of designed around those exams. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I, I am a trained teacher. And to think that um, we are, we are be, you know, being taught to the test is, is it kind of breaks my heart in a small way. Um, but unfortunately, that's how med school is. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so the first two years, the preclinical years, and that, that prepares you for step one of, of the USMLE exam. And then um, years three and four are your clinical years. And that's where you actually learn how to literally be a doctor. Yep. Um, and you do rotations in all of the major uh, specialties in medicine um, from which the subspecialties are derived. Um, so that would be uh, internal medicine, surgery, neurology, family medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, and OBGYN. Um, And there are many other specialties like radiology, for example, but we don't have that as a clerk or pathology or stuff like that. Um, And what that is preparing you for is uh, USMLE step two. And that is where you are um, tested on your clinical skills um, and your clinical reasoning, your clinical judgment, um, and so the classic question from USMLE step two is uh, here, here's your patient, here's what they're here for, what is your next step? Yep. Um, or, 
what is your diagnosis? Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that's step two. And that's kind of what years three and four of medical school are geared towards. Um, there is a third step, but that isn't until residency. So yeah. I'm sure you can have another podcast just on that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. But thank you so much for kind of giving us like that, you know, baseline of like what the four years entails. And it is a lot of test taking. I won't lie about that. A lot of studying, but you can absolutely, you know, do other things. But this actually leads me to my next point. Among all that studying, how do you take care of your mental health? Very, very important, essential question. Um, and uh, for me, I, I, there's a few things that I will always enjoy doing, no matter what, no matter how I feel, um, and they are, uh, being in the pool, whether it's swimming or playing water polo, I, it's, it's funny because I, I would imagine that when most people sort of think about being in the pool, they think of more like recreationally, like, kind right. of hanging out and, you know, perhaps with a cocktail. Uh, and I, I, I don't, I don't think I really know how to do that. <laughs> I don't think I know how to be in the pool and just like relax. Um, but yeah, uh, I will always enjoy being in the pool. So I, I make time for that. And, um, I know I've, I've had this conversation with several of our younger, um, peers, younger as in, um, the lower classes. Mm-hmm. That sounds so classic. Um, the, the first, second, and third years. First, second, and third year. Um, and uh, you know, because they ask, you know, how do you how, how do you have time for that? And the answer to that question is, I make time for it. Um, I could study more, and um, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I don't do amazingly on exams. Um, I pass exams, and that's all you have to do. Yep. Um, and I could do better, uh, and that may have made my, my application process for residency easier. Um, but I don't believe in, uh, changing who I am fundamentally so that I can adjust myself to a new career. Um, that would tell me that the career is not cut out or I should say, I'm not cut out for that career. If that's what, if it requires me to give up too much of myself and that's not worth it. Um, so yeah, so I, I make time for that. And, um, so I would always enjoy that. I always enjoy being on my bike. I always enjoy walking and listening to podcasts. I'm a voracious consumer of podcasts. Um, I'm now subscribed to yours. So I will Yay. be listening. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, yeah, and also just cooking. I love cooking. So um, I do all of those things and uh, that helps me stay sane. And it's, um, I think it's important to make the point as well um, that you know there, there's, there's this phrase out there, uh, at least in the, in the, in the athletic world, as I've experienced it, which is you quote, hit the wall. And, um, when you, when you hit the wall, uh, that means that no matter how, how much you want to, and no matter how hard you try physically, like for example, for me in the pool, if I hit the wall, no matter how quickly I move my arms or kick, I'm not going to go faster. Right. Uh, and it's it, physiologically, you know, I can explain and I'll probably bore your listeners <laughs> as to why that is. But, um, you know, you just, no matter how much harder you try, you're just not going to go faster and right. you, because you need to rest. Um, and I, I feel as though I would hit the wall if I didn't do these things that I do for mental health. Um, and no matter how hard I studied, I would not do better. Uh, in in school so it's it's very very important to me and i think um important for your listeners to consider those that are those that are considering a a field in or a a career in healthcare that um they need to consider that as well absolutely and i think like your point your last point especially about like hitting the wall i think so many people think that as long as you're studying you can continue to learn more and have just like this endless surplus of like learning and abilities and stuff but you I think once you feel the fatigue of studying, especially during step one, I remember like that feeling of not prioritizing my health and going outside and eating great um, and just like hitting that wall. And I just like had to almost like reevaluate, like this isn't going to be, you know, productive for me. It's not going to help me do better. It's not going to help me increase my score if I'm already at this point. So I had to like kind of readjust and figure things out. And I was lucky enough to do it, you know, in a time to like kind of make things work out. But And by the time step two came around, I had actually gone to um, 
the student health like therapy people and I was just like I need to not do what I did for step one so like tell me what to do and like they were a great resource and I think that's also something that might be underutilized like most schools have like free therapy sessions and a lot of people don't even know about it and I think there's also the stigma of like oh you go to therapy like I mean yeah. like you you got to do what you got to do and yeah. I have no regrets about talking to her about how to be a better studier and it ended up helping me out like yeah. tremendously like when yeah. the time came so do what yeah. works for you. There's, there's two, there's two things I thought of um, just in that response, which I think is, is, is just great that you shared that. Um, so the, the, the first one I would say is, um, you know, you, you, you will soon be applying to residencies. Um, and then of course your listeners at some point will do as well. Um, you know, residency is a job. So you will be, you will be at your residency program and you'll be working and you'll be working on a team with, you know, with others under the direction of, uh, multiple attending physicians. Um, you'll have to work with nurses. You'll have to work with techs and other staff as well. And and you know it's it's a job. It's a workplace. Um, they want to know that you are going to be a good team player, and they want to know that you will fit in with the environment that they've already created. Right. And that and and to be fair, you get a lot of power in that too. You know, you get to go and you're basically interviewing them as well. And you make your rank list, and they make their rank list, and hopefully there's a match. Um, but because of that they ask you a lot of questions about who you are. Um, one question that they do not ask is, so what was your step one score? What was your step two score? And how did you come to get such, such a score? Did you study a lot? Oh, wow, tell me about, tell me about your study habits. Right. Tell me about how you didn't do anything besides studying, right? That has never been asked in a residency interview. And if it has, I hope that that individual chose not to make that program. <laughs> so um, but, um, you know, they ask you about everything else that you've done. They like, for me, I got asked about my work at the promise clinic. I got asked about playing water polo at Rutgers while being in medical school. Um, I got asked about being a teacher beforehand. You know, they, they ask about the things that make you interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to flatter myself in that by saying that, but I, I, I you know, they don't ask you about your study habits. Um, so, please those who are listening get get out there and do things and 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 get those experiences not because you need to brag about them um in a residency interview but because it's fun and because it makes you a more well-rounded individual and because it frankly breaks up the monotony of studying Absolutely. Um, so yeah i guess that was my first um the second thing i was going to say was i forgot what it was but <laughs> no worries <laughs> if it comes back, back to you let, you know. let me know yeah um, all right. So, so kind of some things that oh, I, I like to talk about are things that people think you can't do. And like, I think you've made a great point of making the time for all of these things, but kind of just like walking through the process of making the time for these things while in school. Um, so one of them is dating. How has dating um, been for you in med school, especially as someone who came in? Were you with someone? Like, how was that process for you? It's a great question. I, I remember what I was going to say. Um, and then I'll, then I'll answer the other question. Perfect. Um, you mentioned about, you, 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 you have told us how you attended therapy. Um, and I think that that is so, so awesome and super crucial for people to hear because you're right. There is a stigma, um, regarding that. And, um, it's unfortunate because I think it, it uh, precludes a lot of people from seeking the services that they need. Yeah. And um, you know, a lot of that stuff, you're right. We, we, we don't talk about it because it's, it's, it makes us feel icky. We don't, you know, we don't want to have those conversations right. and oh my God, aren't there a lot of conversations as a nation that we need to have that we just don't <laughs> want to have because it makes us feel icky. Um, and so to hear people say that, say that they, that they did those things is, is really important. Um, I, I'm lucky that I haven't had to seek those services so far, but I did um, about 10 years ago, uh, actually 11 years ago, um, when I was coming out of the closet, I needed, I needed a way to process this information. And, and wow, yeah. um, I, I, my therapist helps greatly. And uh, I, I, I'm very grateful for that experience and grateful for the friends that I was able to rely on. And then my family, who was just amazing when I told them. Um, but, you know, we, we as humans are not perfect. We're, 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 we're quite fallible actually. Yeah. And, um, you know, oftentimes we need to seek the services of those that are trained to help in those ways. And that's, 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 that's important. Um, so with your, with your question for, uh, for dating, um, so yeah, I've, uh, I, I've been dating, um, uh, and I, I guess the, the way that I achieved that in medical school, um, 
was, is, is a very 21st century sort of <laughs> way, uh, which of course is through apps, through dating apps. Um, and uh, I have uh, had some good dates and some bad dates. <laughs> um, just like all. I most, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I also had the good fortune of meeting somebody um, early on in med school. Like I met this person in person. Um, can you imagine? We actually met. Right. Oh my there. goodness! <laughs> um, right, uh, and and that was a very um, enriching relationship, and it ultimately didn't work out, and that's totally fine. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I've also had dates, like I said, uh, through through apps. Um, most recently, I've been in a relationship for uh, a couple of years now uh, with another healthcare professional. Um, this person is a DO, as I mentioned earlier, uh, and uh, he's great and um, we're, we're happy. That's awesome. And being able to do that while in school, it's all possible. I think that's something that a lot of people forget that, oh, I'm like we said, if you make time for these things, you can do them. It's just kind of, and also balancing. I mean, it definitely helps like when you're with someone who understands the stress of having to study yeah. and, you know, the hours that we work when we're on rotations and stuff like that, but it, it's definitely all possible. Yeah. It's very possible. Um, and, uh, it, 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 it helps with the stress a lot, <laughs> I will say. Um, and, uh, that's probably also a good indicator as to whether or not the relationship is working. Is it, yeah. is it actually taking away stress or is it adding stress? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, at the risk of making this more of a, of a, of a dating podcast, <laughs> I'll probably end it, stop there. <laughs> no worries. Um, and so another thing we like to talk about is traveling. I know some people like to travel, some people don't like to travel, but when we are healthcare workers, we have pretty strict schedules. So like, how have you been able to kind of achieve that as a medical student? That's a great question. So um, you are correct that we do have um, very strict schedules. Um, you'll remember because we had the same schedule. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, uh, about a year and a half ago. So um, maybe November of 2019, we had, we had like four weeks off. Uh, or six weeks off, six weeks off, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, yeah. Cause I, I took two weeks of vacation and then I had a four week elective. So, um, and in that time I was able to schedule a vacation and, and I, I was like, well, I'm in med school and I'm, I'm studying all the time. I'm going to go big. And so I, I went to Thailand and I have a cousin who lives there. So, um, I just had to pay for the flight and then the housing was covered. So it was great. Awesome. Um, but, uh, the simple answer to your question is, is, um, there are, there are breaks that are built in, uh, to your schedule. Um, and even though we do have, um, very intense hours when we're working, um, there are periods of time, like for us, it was six weeks, right. like for you and I, it was six weeks, but, um, maybe others only have two weeks at a time and that's right. fine. You know, you take, take that time. I, um, I think it's also important to mention, uh, for your audience that, um, this time that you have <clears throat> for vacation is essential to take. Um, you really should take vacation and not do um, much of anything related right. to school, honestly. Um, and that kind of goes to the, to the question that we were talking about before with, um, with mental health, uh, and kind of giving yourself the space to, um, relax and, and rejuvenate. You know, the, I feel like relax and rejuvenate is there's kind of like <laughs> an overused phrase, but I think the rejuvenate part is, is important. That's if important. you look at the, like the entomology of the word, mm -hmm. it's, you know, you, you're literally being like refreshed, you're being refilled and, and the energy that you need to tackle whatever your next clerkship or obligation is, is being that that ability is being refilled, regenerated. So um, I think that that's uh, really important to do. Um, and like, and, and I'm, I'm one of those, because you mentioned there are people who like travel, those, and there are those who don't. I am one who loves to travel. So uh, I have gone to uh, all but one of the inhabited continents. Um, I haven't been nice. in Antarctica either. Um, yeah. Yeah, Africa. Africa is the last one I haven't been to. Um, Honestly, just come to Nigeria. I got I, you. <laughs> I know. I will. You and I have a conversation about where I should go. Um, I, can, I, I mean, I've only been to Western Africa because that's where I'm from, but I can definitely give you some tips about there. Okay. Yeah, I saw um, I, one of the other things I, I do a lot of, in addition to um, uh, consuming lots of podcasts, is I, 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 I go down YouTube holes all the time. And so travel, airplanes, trains, cars, um, and uh, abandoned places. I mean, just 
<laughs> so many things on on YouTube. Oh, and wow. uh, I somehow in the algorithm, uh, there's the, I forgot the guy's name now. I've watched two of his videos, and he's based in Lagos. And okay. he am I pronouncing that right? By the way, Lagos. Lagos yeah, Lagos. Okay. Um, he's he's based in Lagos, and um, he does videos about. Um, Lagos and 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 usually it's about the infrastructure of the city. So um, did a, he did a, a video on um, traffic in Lagos and how it's like notoriously um, like LA. <laughs> yep, and uh, also the viability of a, of a rapid transit system. And so it just got me into like, oh, I I think I should go visit Lagos. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we should connect about that offline. I think absolutely. Um, yeah, no, thank you so much. And I think honestly, I think the same time you went to Thailand, I think. I was on my, I had, so just to like clarify about those six weeks. So when it says six weeks off, what it really means is you have six weeks to do with what you please. And so you can take the entire six weeks off. You can use the entire six weeks to do elective, or you can just do a mix of both. And I think Dan and I both did a mix of both. So I also took two weeks off um, to do, I went to Belize and that was the last time I've been on a plane because you know, the pandemic hit. So fun times. Um, and then I did like four weeks of elective. I actually like split it between two different electives. So I did two weeks of one elective and two weeks of another elective. But yeah, like Dan said, absolutely use that time. Um, another time I think that we had off was after first year. Some schools are different where you don't necessarily have as long as a break. Um, and many of our classmates went to Columbia and did like a global health like thing. And so, you know, there's opportunity. See, look into your school, see what kind of global health opportunities, hopefully post pandemic, because I think things are still a little rough. But if they have those things, and you love to travel, work it into your education. That is definitely something I recommend. And actually before starting medical school, I had gone to Brazil and done a medical program. So they had, um, they gave us board, they gave us food. So I literally just played for my flight, kind of like for your trip to Thailand. Mm -hmm. And I worked with medical professionals, like medical students from all over the world. And it was just like such an amazing trip because I learned so much, not only like from like a medical aspect and like how they practice medicine in Brazil and like their health insurance system and like, you know, all of that. But I also got to learn from other cultures about my one friend from, I think Denmark was talking about how they're only allowed to have one student graduate and go into dermatology. And I thought that was like so interesting because here we we can choose whatever we want. Like if our entire class decided to go into ortho, we, we could do that. Granted, it might not be the best choice, but it's like, you know, we have certain freedoms that I never even considered other countries didn't have as practicing healthcare physicians or professionals. Um, and yeah, it was just like such a great experience. And so like, I highly recommend like finding opportunities like that where you can hopefully save money, but still enjoy and like find time away to kind of do things. And within that trip, we had like an open weekend. And so five of us decided to go to Rio because we were in Sao Paulo. Yeah. And when we got to the hostel, we had to give over our passports. And I had an American passport. One of my friends had a, a Mexican passport. One of my friends had one from England, another one from the Netherlands and then Denmark. And so the woman like accepting us was literally so confused. She like wasn't sure like whether or not this was legal. Like, how did you guys even meet each other? And it was just like the best like week, still one of the best weekends like of my entire life. And like one of my favorite trips. And like, I was able to do it while still you know doing something medically related and enjoying myself and learning so much and so if you are passionate about things you can definitely find the time and the ways to do it for sure definitely definitely and and I think that the other thing you mentioned too about freedom that we have here to kind of choose which career we want um and also at what time so um you know, like I said, I, I, I decided to be, to become a doctor, or I should say, I, I started on the path of becoming a doctor 10 years after I graduated from undergraduate. Um, and, uh, I think that that's, that's something that, that, that we're able to do here that maybe is not as, um, available to others in other countries. And, um, certainly, uh, in, like you said, in Denmark, that, that sounds, wow. Can you imagine one person who gets to do Durham every oh my year? Goodness, yeah. Um, but uh, I know like my, I have, I have family in England and um, the way that it's been explained to me there is you sort of kind of, you sort of choose which academic subjects you're going to focus on when you're in high school and you're made to make that decision at age 14, which is yeah. just like crazy to me. Um, and then you enter university and you're kind of single tracked uh, yep. to how you want to do it. Um, and luckily we, we don't have that here. You know, we, we can kind of make a decision about what we want to do at when we're 18 years old and we go down that path and we do it for a few years. And if we don't like it, we can go do something else. And I think that's really important too, to remember um, that you are not 
you're not going to be what you learn how to do first in life. You don't have to do that the rest of your life. That's not what you want. Yeah. And I think you actually just worked us right into our next segment, which (laughs) is um, called On the Grill, where we talk about topics that are current in the news. And this week's topic is honestly the average age of students that matriculate into medical school. And so according to the Association of American Medical Colleges, also known as the AAMC, um, the average age of students matriculating into medical school is 24. And so for those of you who are kind of just like, okay, well, that still seems young. Yes, that is still very young. But that also means that most people aren't going in directly out of college, which I think a lot of people still consider call it the traditional route, right? Like you went straight from medical school, um, from undergrad into medical school, and that's traditional. And I never really liked that term because I think in our, you know, incoming class first year, the average age was actually around 25. And I felt very young because most people had had other degrees, had worked for years. And I was just like, I literally graduated college a month ago. Like I still am very much so figuring out myself and like they have all of these different, like, you know, things. So like, what does your kind of like, I think you kind of started talking about it, like just for people who think, oh, I'm too old to start this, or, you know, I've missed my mark. What, what do you say to them? Um, So it's not true. Um, And I I think obviously it comes down to an individual, an individual's case by case. Um, But I, I think that whatever training you've had in the past, um, whether it's like me, I was trained as a teacher, or if you were trained as a banker, or as a lawyer, or as, or you you have um, some other sort of specialty degree. you have a skill set that can be used in medicine. You know, I, I think that it's sort of an underappreciated aspect of medicine that, um, and I, you know, to our earlier point about how medicine has been dominated by one group of people that is mostly white males mm-hmm. um, who have fancy degrees, um, that we think of, of, of doctors as being highly intelligent scientifically um, trained individuals and they are, but they're also humans. And so they bring whatever their, uh, interests are to their practice. Hopefully, um, at least that's what, that's how it should be. And I would say that, um, whatever your training, whatever your skill set was before medical school, you will find a way to bring that out, um, in, in your practice. And I think the biggest way, the biggest, you know, the biggest way and the biggest thing to remember about becoming a doctor is ultimately you need to talk to patients. Right. You, 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 well, there are certain specialties, but that's not the case. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of pathology, which is an extremely, radiology, important, yep. a very, very important um, uh, aspect of medicine as is radiology, for example. Um, but typically those um, radiologists and pathologists don't spend a lot of patient time, uh, patient interaction time. Um, but uh for the other specialties, you know, you, you need to talk to a patient. You, you have to be able to, to meet that patient where they are um, in the moment, appreciate why they're there. So what their clinical presentation is, appreciate how they got there. So whatever, um, uh, what are the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, social determinants of health that have, that have brought them in. Um, you need to be able to appreciate all of that. And then also talk, you know, like uh, ha- you need to have a personality such that you can do that. You yeah. can actually, have a conversation with somebody that you've never met before and, and get out of them what you need uh, in order to do your job. And that, that, that's not an easy thing. And, and I, 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 I'm sure that you know uh, a few people, um, not necessarily in our class per se, but just you know, that you've met along the way um, who maybe aren't as developed in those social skills as uh, they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, people develop those skills by having life experiences. Um, and so, you know, it's important to, to remember that when you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm this age, I'm trained for this. There's no way I could do medicine. False, hundred percent false. You will find a way to, to bring out your skill set, and it will be valuable no matter how uh, discreet you think your training is yours. It's going to be useful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dan. This has honestly been such a pleasure kind of talking to you, especially as like you guys all get ready to match soon. Um, Can you please let my listeners know where they can find you if they have any questions, comments, wanted some advice? Yeah, definitely. Um, So uh, I guess um, we can do like my my Instagram handle and my Twitter handle. 
Um, so my Instagram um, is, I have, it's my Instagram and Twitter are similar, but they're not, they're not, they're not identical. So after one is which, um, so uh, your Spanish speaking listeners will appreciate this, but my Instagram handle is alberca underscore medicina. Um, and so alberca is the Spanish, or actually it's the Mexican Spanish word for swimming pool. And then medicina is of course medicine. Um, but uh, it's spelled um, A-L-B-E-R-C-A underscore uh, M-E-D-I-C-I-N-A. I'm, I'm assuming that you're going to be able to write this. I will 100% be linking all of this in the info. Yep. Yep. And then uh, my Twitter handle is one moment while I pull that up. I guess I should have had this ready before. <laughs> no worries. Um, so it's actually, it's, it's similar to my Instagram handle, but without the space. So Alberca Medicina, but all one word. Um, so yeah, uh, reach out to me there. I am more than happy to provide um, advice, guidance, uh, answer simple questions about, or, or complex ones about uh, the process of um, med school, how it works, how to get in, um, how to deal with microaggressions if you come across them. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be here as well. I thank you for having me, Stephanie. No problem. Thank you so much. And also for my listeners, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, if you're looking for advice, and also if you're a healthcare professional and you're looking to talk with me, um, you can contact me at healthcarecookout at gmail.com. You can also follow us at healthcarecookout on Instagram and on Twitter at hccookout. Um, please subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. And thank you so much for coming to the podcast and I'll see you next week. Bye.